This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Here you go. Here you go. Leverage. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It's Friday. I don't know what day it is when you're listening to this, but today is actually Friday. Leverage is the word of the day. Leverage is a word that covers all sorts of sin. Leverage is something that you must have in any negotiation. I think we've spent time, at least I've spent time thinking about leverage and how to get leverage no matter what position you have. The thing you're taught in law school is that no matter what side of an issue you're on, you learn this in debate too, high school debate, no matter what side you're on of an issue, if you cannot find the leverage point, it is going to be close to impossible to prevail. Leverage comes in all shapes and sizes. It can come from the written word, the spoken word. It can come from body language. People talk about tells when they're playing poker. You look for people and what they do when they have a good hand or a bad hand, when they're bluffing, when they're not bluffing. That's all to gain leverage. Leverage is what you do when you find a hole and you expose it and you make it bigger and you start with your toe and get your foot, your arm, and then your entire body through it. Why am I talking about leverage is the word of the day? Because there's a negotiation going on where both sides are looking for leverage. Both sides have mistakenly thought that they've had leverage at one point or another. And the beat goes on. Who really does have leverage in this negotiation between Major League Baseball and the Players Association? I'm not even getting to the question of who cares about the negotiation, the anger that we all feel about the negotiation, how badly we want baseball to start. And I'm not even talking about the beer challenge. I'm just talking about the reality of men women negotiating against men and women, owners, players, executives against players, lawyers against lawyers. All you ever argue about, and we talk about it on this show, the number one thing, it's the number one word, it's money. That's all it's about, a negotiation. Anytime you're negotiating, it's about money in the business sense. Personal negotiations when you're looking for leverage are totally different. I think you'd agree that in your relationship or when you're making decisions in your personal life throughout the day, it's not necessarily money, but it is about leverage. 
hey, you decided where we were going to eat yesterday. I'd like to decide where we're going to eat today. Hey, it was your choice to have lasagna. I'd like to have salmon. Salmon. I say salmon. I don't know why. It's salmon. Maybe it is salmon. Leverage. Well, let's do a quick rewind, catch you up to date. If this is your first Nothing Personal, welcome to Nothing Personal with David Sampson. If you've just gone on Apple and rated five stars and done a review, we're getting close to a thousand reviews. We're like at 850 reviews. If once we get to a thousand reviews, we're going to do the a thousandth review, some sort of special gift, a piece of memorabilia. There'll be a mailbag bonus pod that will drop tomorrow, Saturday, June 6th. That'll answer questions that you asked by leaving a review and putting a question in the review. Thanks for telling your friends and for being on this ride. So leverage has happened because in baseball, they stopped. Positive test of Rudy Gobert in the NBA, all of a sudden, spring training stopped. In baseball, different than basketball and hockey, not one dollar of revenue had been earned by a team, and not one dollar of income had been earned by a player. All revenue, all income comes during the season. The season was due to begin March 26th, was opening day, which seems like, I don't know if I'm the only one, it is very strange. Time is going like a snap of a finger. On the other hand, it feels like years ago that baseball was going to open. We're in the beginning of June right now. We'd be approaching the time where we're almost, I mean, this is hard to imagine, at the end of June, the season would be halfway done already. An agreement was made right as as football, right as baseball was being shut down, which called for a discussion and an agreement on service time should a season be canceled. It called for an agreement on advance pay of about $170 million that was paid to the players because they were going to not be getting their paychecks if the season were were to be postponed or even canceled. The agreement came together in a very short time because there was not a lot of time before the season was going to start and paychecks were going to be missed. Since then, there have been back and forth conversations regarding health and regarding money. On the money side, it's a very simple two sides. The owners do not want to pay the full salary to the players. My definition of full salary, if Aaron Judge is making $8.5 million this year, It's not that the owners don't want to pay him $8.5 million. They're not paying him $8.5 million. They want to pay him a number significantly less than $8.5 million. The players want Aaron Judge to be paid the pro rata amount of $8.5 million. Take $8.5 million, divide it by 162, multiply it. That's the number of games in a regular season. Multiply it by the number of games they play, and that's what Aaron Judge's salary would be. The owners have said, no, we don't even want to pay that. They've had proposals back and forth. They are ent- they've entered into a, a basically a negotiation, almost like a full collective bargaining negotiation, trying to figure out how to get the season started economically. And the problem is no one really knows what the season will look like economically. Just yesterday, we told you the Texas Rangers can now have 50% capacity in their new stadium. The Houston Astros can have 50% capacity. The other 50% will all, of course, be recyclable garbage cans. So they're allowed full capacity while the Texas Rangers only get half capacity. That's an amount of revenue that will be in addition that other teams will not have access to. 
because there's teams that will not be allowed to have fans. Their governors and their mayors will not allow fans, but they will allow games. It's hard to imagine fans going to Shea Stadium, to Shea Stadium, to City Field or to Yankee Stadium or to Dodger Stadium or for the White Sox, the Cubs, Wrigley Field. I could go on. So what is Texas going to do with that revenue? That's another issue for another day, but they're going to have to share that revenue with teams and with players. But baseball is not even ready to talk about that. They're not even ready to decide whether the Texas Rangers can have 50% capacity in their new ballpark. The owners were told that the players wanted to play 114 games. The players want to play 114 games because they believe they will get paid per game their regular rate, if they play 114, they will make 114 out of 162 of their salary. The owners said no, they wouldn't even counter. Then the owners leaked and had a conversation with the union, not an official counter proposal, where they said, you know what, how about 50 games? Well, the players responded yesterday, and boy, did they respond quickly, swiftly, and in a very depressing way for those who don't listen to nothing personal. Tony Clark, the executive director of the union, and Andrew Miller, who's on the executive board, both had comments. The statement from Tony Clark started with exactly what you start with when you're trying to elicit public support and gain public sentiment in this time of unprecedented suffering at home and abroad. It's perfect, right? You, you say that, you are putting in perspective. We understand that we're millionaires fighting with billionaires. We understand that you don't care. We understand that we are but a tiny cog, if not insignificant. This is not where baseball can be used for healing because we're post 9-11 and we need baseball on the field so we can feel good about ourselves and patriotic as a nation. No, this is about getting people back to work, getting the economy back going and making sure, unlike in Florida where right now there is a record third day in a row of new cases as the state has begun to open of COVID-19, but we are in a time not even discussing what is going on and continues to go on, which is going to be the next topic when we discuss what's going on with the murder of George Floyd and others. But when you say in this time of unprecedented suffering at home and abroad, you are saying we get you. No leverage given, no leverage gotten. We want nothing more than to get back to work and provide baseball fans with the game we all love, but we can't do it alone. True. They can't do it alone. Players need owners. Query. We talked about it at owners meetings quite a bit. Here's how the conversation would go. How badly do we need these players? What about back in the day when replacement players, back in 94, 95, do you remember replacement players, the concept where minor leaguers and certain players who crossed the picket line, who then ended up becoming major league players? There's an example of a player who crossed the picket line, Coca. We didn't talk about it before the show. Check Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar, who played for me in Florida. Great guy. Fun. What a fun. I've seen him many times since... He left the Marlins. Well, he didn't leave the Marlins. We made him leave the Marlins. He was a player. I believe he was a replacement player. And if I'm wrong, Kevin, then I'm sorry. If I'm right, I'm sorry that I didn't tell you I was going to bring this up because I didn't know till just now. But when you become a replacement player and you end up being in the major leagues again, just so you're aware, you do not 
get to be a part of the union. Kevin Millar and I would have conversations about this. Being in the union means something to players, not because they are represented. By the way, Coco just confirmed that I was right about Kevin Millar. I had that in my mind. When you are a part of a union, it's not that you just have someone negotiating on your behalf. You actually pay dues to be in that union and get paid money. Those players make money. All of the uniforms that you buy, all of the hats, all of the shirts and sweatshirts and sweatpants and keychains and shot glasses, all of that you should only buy from licensed providers. All the guys who are selling you stuff on the street outside a ballpark, and we'd always get in trouble. We'd get yelled at by fans. Why are you shutting that down and making that man leave? He's just trying to make a living. Well, I have an idea. If you want to make a living selling things with my logo on it, become a licensee and have the legal right to sell those items. But in the meantime, get off our property and stop selling it because we're going to shut you down. There's a whole department in baseball that basically spends its time shutting down people illegally selling merchandise and using the logos and the trademarks and the copyrighted logos from teams. So Kevin Millar, as part of the union, you get paid. Excuse me. I keep saying excuse me when I hit mute. You get paid as a member of the union a amount of money every year in licensing. And it's not insignificant. And it is not according to how rich you are, how long your contract is. It is evenly split. Players make a lot of money from licensing, whether you sell your own jersey or not. So Aaron Judge gets as much as John Doe. When you're not in the union, you don't get that. You don't get the protections of the union. So the union obviously wants to play baseball. And we would always say to ourselves, could we play with these replacement players? Would, would fans still buy tickets to watch baseball with players they didn't know? Well, we used to test that with the Marlins a lot because after every fire sale, we'd have a full team of players that no one knew. As a matter of fact, next week is the MLB draft full of players that no one ever knows. Would you pay to see those players? When you go to minor league games, you're paying to see players you have no idea who they are, but you believe they have a chance one day to be the ma- in the major leagues, some of them, if you only knew how few. But you go for the experience, you go for the night out, you go for the fun. But replacement players without fans? Then the question is, would the TV networks pay to show those games? And my answer is yes, they would, because those networks have a responsibility to deliver live content and live programming to the cable companies and to the networks who pay them for their products, which is sports. Would Major League Baseball actually replace all of these players with replacement players. And do you think that that is unique to this union? It is absolutely not. There's conversations all the time when flight attendants strike. Don't worry, we'll hire new flight attendants. When air traffic controllers strike, don't worry, we'll have new air traffic controllers. When sanitation workers strike, we'll get new sanitation workers. When baseball players strike, no problem. We'll get new baseball players. It's not going to come to that, but that is a piece of leverage. The players believe the leverage is on their side and they go on in their statement talking about how bad the owners are for trying to give the players a second significant pay cut and dramatically shorten the 2020 season unless 
players negotiate salary concessions. Yes, that is exactly what's happening. Commissioner Rob Manford is going to implement a shorter season unless you agree to a larger pay cut than the pro rata reduction that you've had. I use those words purposefully. You have had a reduction, not a cut. There's been a reduction in the amount of games that you will play. Therefore, you've had a reduction in your total pay. Now, there needs to be a cut in your pay. The union is claiming that the owners are threatening to implement a shorter season. That they're not countering. We told you on Nothing Personal. Tony Clark, why aren't you paying attention to Nothing Personal? You don't have time? It's 45 minutes. Actually, Coca breaks down the segments. We can give you the exact time of the show when you should listen to the following statement. The leverage that you think you have, Tony, is infinitesimal compared to the leverage the owners have. It may not be fair. It may not be right. It may not be popular. But if you think that getting public sentiment on your side is a way to get the owners to change their view of the economic deal, it's never going to work in a million years. In other years, in other circumstances, it would have, and you are using the same playbook you've always used, thinking these are the same times. But as you said, there's unprecedented suffering at home and abroad. And I'm not even talking about the real suffering that people have. I'm talking about economic suffering of people who are going to survive. There's food on the table. They're not unemployed. But the businesses are in such financial shape where there is uncertainty as to when there will be and what amount of revenue there will be. That is unprecedented during collective bargaining negotiations. My advice to you, Tony, is to sit down and converse with Rob and recognize that an 81 or 82 game season starting August 1st and playing through November is a compromise that both sides can live with. Because if you start testing the owner's leverage and you go too far, it's going to fail. And then what happened in 2016 is going to happen again when you thought that you had the leverage in that collective bargaining agreement and it turned out you didn't. But I'm not letting Rob off the hook. Rob has work to do too. This is not the time to show your hand and play your leverage point to its maximum fullest, which goes against everything you learn in law school, business school, and the art of negotiating. When you have leverage, you play it fully. You get every little advantage. You win every point. The best deal is a deal where both sides come away slightly unhappy, but one side is always less happy than the other. You want to be on the side, yeah, you would have liked more, but you're good. The other side is, yeah, we would have liked to have had more. We're only okay. That's what needs to happen. The owners have to say we're good. The players have to say we're okay, and we're going to get baseball back. Everybody breathe. We saw in conclusion that this week had to be the deadline. That's what we said last week. Everyone was saying except nothing personal. This is it. Biggest week in baseball history. I found out today's Friday. The week's over and everything's going to be okay. Where things are not necessarily okay is in the NFL. Not a bad Friday segue, huh, Coca? Not terrible. I breathed. Something happened last night. It was late in the night. 
I don't know, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. That's not really late. I guess it depends what time zone you're in. There were about 12, by my count, NFL players who released on their own what to me was probably the best 71-second video I've seen on the internet. There was nothing funny about it. It wasn't a trick shot. It wasn't a TikTok video of people pulling pranks or doing the dance where they touch their shoulder and move their hips. This was a serious 71-second video released by players, all African-American, all of whom had a message. If you haven't seen it, please watch it. If you're watching the show on the Nothing Personal YouTube channel, thank you. Subscribe, and that's where all the YouTube content will be. If you're listening, you can pause and search NFL players video at 71 seconds. Saquon Barkley, Deshaun Watson, Odell Beckham Jr., Ezekiel Elliott, among others. And then I saw one face and I said, "Uh oh, we have to deal with this. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes appeared on this video where the players, to sum up, said very simply, (laughs) I am George Floyd. You cannot make me stay quiet. And it was an absolute, not veiled message to Roger Goodell and the NFL commissioner and the powers that be in the NFL corporate suite. I've never seen anything like it in my career. The players got together all in different places because they're all quarantined and socially distancing. They all had lines to say. They were not in uniforms. They were not using club marks. They released it through their social media accounts. And I realized that what we talked about on Nothing Personal, I'd like to think the players listened, but I don't know whether they did. But we talked about the statement the NFL made. We've talked about the all week, all week long, statements by people, statements by teams. You know I was hard on Drew Brees yesterday over what he said in an interview and then his apology tour. I've been hard on James Dolan. I complimented Derek Jeter. Michael Jordan spoke up. Tiger Woods. Frank Reich, the coach of the Indianapolis Colts. But this video trumps them all because this video was aimed at the NFL. This was a shot across the bow by players to people in their own sport. I've not seen it before. In the NBA, when there have been players trying to make a statement, we saw players walk on the court with hooded sweatshirts when Trayvon Martin was murdered here in Florida. We saw baseball players and NBA players write on their helmet or on their hat or on their sneakers but I've never seen a video that was directed with a message so perfectly and powerful directed to Roger Goodell 
and to the NFL because the NFL statement did not address. It was a joke, the NFL statement. It did not address the entire issue of Colin Kaepernick and kneeling. And this is not about Colin Kaepernick. I told you why he wasn't signed. I am, and I'm on record. He wasn't signed because the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for the owner who was going to sign him. Too much of a distraction, not worth it, not good enough on the field, not good enough off the field. His kneeling was completely misunderstood by so many people. And what these players now are saying, including Patrick Mahomes, the face of the NFL. That's why I saved his name for last, because you need to understand when you're the commissioner and you see this video, you start sweating. You immediately convene a phone call with your PR people, with your HR people, with your ownership allies, his go-to owners. And you say, what do we do now? I need an answer in the next hour. We cannot let this video stand without some sort of response. What direction should Roger Goodell go? And it's so obvious to me. And they haven't even, as of the moment I started doing this episode, the NFL had not acknowledged this video. They had not retweeted it, whereas everybody else is retweeting it and looking at it. They had not come out with a new statement They had not done anything publicly. When you're faced in a situation like this and you're the commissioner of a league, there's a basic principle that says it's better to be right than quick. And I would always tell people, whether it was our owner or our baseball people or our PR people or people in the commissioner's office, I agree it's better to be right than quick. But in certain circumstances, It's really important to be right and quick. And to be right and quick, you have to have a small amount, a pyramid. I'm making a pyramid with my hands. A pyramid-like power structure where someone is responsible to make a decision and execute that decision quickly. There can't have to be meetings and Zoom calls and conversations that go hours, days, weeks. What do we do? How do we formulate this? What should the statement say? When do we send it out? What time of day? Do we retweet it? Do we just put it on our Instagram? Do we put it on our Twitter? What about should we do a TikTok video? No. Who signs the statement? Should it be players, staff, coaches, minorities, all minorities, no minorities, some minorities? Just me, Roger Goodell, nobody, just the shield. In this instance, Roger Goodell needed to take over control and say, not only are we retweeting this, we are going to admit that our initial statement was wrong and insensitive and did not properly answer to the issues and problems that our players face every single day. And on top of that, we are announcing right now that any player who wishes to kneel for the national anthem or in any other way assert their First Amendment rights as we all try to walk this tightrope and use this moment as as a catalyst to bring about change, our players will have the ability to manifest that internally or externally, externally as they desire.
and we start with the national anthem. Because you know what's going to happen the first preseason game, the first regular season game? All eyes will be on the national anthem. You think the anthem will be something that's played off the air? Every broadcast of every game is going to show the anthem, and there will be a camera going across the sideline of both teams. Who's kneeling? Who's not? Who's on the bench? Who's not? The NFL could put a stop to that by saying right now, it is the right thing. If you want to kneel, you kneel. That doesn't mean we're not honoring our veterans. It doesn't mean we're not honoring the flag. It means we're acknowledging the problem that we have. And Roger Goodell is making it worse. These players felt they had to make this video because they were not being listened to. They weren't being spoken to. There were a bunch of empty words on a statement. And many, many companies are going through the same thing. Even I, last, last week, this week, I did a show where I said I won't be silent. And it was a quote from Martin Luther King. And that's why I spoke. And I realized that I could have even been better. And I've done a lot more listening this week than speaking, although I'm nothing personally think I'm speaking the whole time, 45 minutes, because I am. There's no studio audience. There's no one else here. Coca, as you know, is here 50 to 60% of the time at best, telling me when I'm wrong about stuff. So yeah, I'm doing more speaking, but off the air, I'm doing a lot of listening and a lot of reading and a lot of learning. Roger Goodell has this moment right now to respond and he can't wait much longer or else the NFL is in danger, in danger of hurting its business in a way that they're not fully comprehending because you don't want to be on the wrong side of this issue from a business standpoint. You don't want to be on the wrong side of this issue from a social standpoint. The NBA announced yesterday that uh, they took a vote. And the vote was the following. There was a very large discussion that we had about the NBA and coming back to work. They said July 31st, we're going to play. And we're going to play in Orlando. And that was fine. I was happy about that. And there's going to be training camp starting soon. First, you're going to go to your home city. Then you're going to go to Orlando, practice for three weeks. Then we're going to play eight regular season games. We're going to seed each other. You seed each other. That totally sounded sexual and it did not mean to be. We are going to discover and play games to have seeding in our playoff tournament. And the vote was a surprising 29 to 1 by the owners to present the players with this return to play plan. 29 1 is strange. What team would vote not to go back or not to start the season again? I would figure it'd be 30 to 0, no question. Well, we then heard from the Portland Trailblazers and one of their best players, a player named CJ McCollum, who said that he went to his front office, his GM, his owner. His owner now is Jody Allen. You may not know that name. She is the daughter of Paul Allen. Paul Allen owns the Seahawks and the Trailblazers and passed away. And now the teams are run and operated and owned. It's Paul Allen's sister. Thank you, Coca. Appreciate that. His sister, Jody, now runs the teams. CJ McCollum went to Jody Allen and said, you know what? 
I don't think it's right. We don't want to play with 22 teams. It should be 20. And they had their reasons, good reasons. And the front office of the Trailblazers, and I've gotten a lot of suggestions from players about votes, about issues going on at owners' meetings. I spoke to many players many times. And I'm sorry to say that I never once changed my view or changed a thought at all about what I was going to do. I would listen to the players. And I guess if they were convincing on something or if there was something major enough that, yes, I would. But in fact, I don't think I ever did. Jody Allen paid attention to her players and voted no. Now, it doesn't mean a thing. 29 to 1 is still a win. If the players approve, 22 teams are still going to Orlando. And that's how it's going to be. But the players are going to get a few extra goodies that weren't really talked about. It will be a bubble in Disney World. Except you're going to be allowed to play golf. Now, it's funny when we hear this, right? Do you know how important golf is to baseball players and basketball players and football players? It is so important. They want their golf clubs and they want the ability to play golf so badly. Golf. And they get to eat out while they're in the bubble. They don't have to do room service every night. They get to eat out while being socially distanced and quarantined and wearing masks in their bubble in Orlando. They get to go to restaurants. You may think that that sounds like nothing, but that's a major negotiating point. The problem with it is if you don't pay attention and you're not careful, you could end up testing positive. And in Florida, one of the things that could bring this entire plan down is I got an alert today before the show started. And of course, it's not on my phone anymore because I clear the alerts because that's what I do because anytime they're red numbers, it drives me crazy. You know the red numbers that people have like email, 15,574. Well, I've got two right now. And if I have more, than I, I get rid of it as soon as I can, whenever I can. It just doesn't make me fun socially. But Florida has had, for the third day in a row, the biggest increase in cases that it's seen. New cases. Certain parts of the state have opened, including Orlando. We're seeing amusement parks open and, and, and Disney parks, I think, are beginning to open but it diminished capacities, et cetera. There still has to be a health negotiation with the players and they have to make it firm what the rules of engagement will be during this bubble time. But it's a good sign the NBA is coming back. It's a better sign what Jody Allen did on behalf of her players because that leads to a better relationship between team and player. Okay. So... Coke and I put the show together, and there are times that things happen during the course of a show. Coke hears something, learns something, and asks me whether or not I want to talk about it. So I'm talking about a topic. He's talking about a topic. It's a different topic. I'm trying to stay on the topic I'm talking about. And this is a topic that I'm going to, that he's telling me about that I want to mention because it seems awfully important. And this is about a soccer team, the Los Angeles Galaxy, that they released a player and they must have released it today, released the player today, which is why Coke is giving me this now. They must have released the player now. They released a player signed in December because his wife made racist remarks on social media. Wow. The player denounced everything she said, but the team just released him. His wife's name, his name is Alexander Katai. The player's name is Tia Katai. Uh, the wife's name is Tia Katai. She made posts including a profane call to kill protesters, calling them disgusting cattle, 
in Serbian. This is the wife of a player. And the LA Galaxy have now released that player who they just signed. Admittedly, I don't know whether he is a star for them or not. If he signed as a free agent, I'd have to assume he's someone they wanted and needed. And this shows you, as I'm reading this and explaining to you what's happening, sometimes a team, and it's never happened, but sometimes a team has a discussion about a player, his family, a player's agent, a player's representative, a player's company that a player, a company that a player endorses. It had never risen in my career to the point ever where we would release a player for something someone else did in his circle. We would talk to that player. We've had plenty of player wives who have posted some things that were not acceptable to me. None of them I would consider racist at all, just in general, ridiculous. But now owners and presidents are faced with a brand new issue. And the brand new issue is that how far does this circle go? We know that if a player would do anything that is racist, and I mean anything, no matter if you're the best player on the team or the worst, that player's gone, an immediate release. It's not like with DUI where you think about it or domestic violence where you shouldn't have to think about it, but people do. In this day and age, and this is called progress, you're going to be racist. You don't have the right to earn a paycheck from a professional team. Now we're on to the wives or significant others. Is it a reflection on Alexander that his wife is a racist? I ask you, could you be married or have a significant other who's a racist and not be a racist? You could have a significant other who has different political views than you do. You can have a significant other who likes different things, has different values, different ways of raising your children. How many people fought about how to raise your child? No, he can't watch TV. Yes, of course he can watch TV. No, that is inappropriate. You can't go see an R-rated movie. Of course, it's only a pair of breasts. Well, I don't want him to see a gun. No, it's got sex. I get it. But how can you be married to a racist? That I don't get. Guilty by association. I would have released him too. Players take note. Employees take note. Everybody should take note. You are who you surround yourself with. When we come back, I'm going to do a review because every day I'm still watching movies. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425, right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. 
The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. I'll tell you, I do enjoy watching movies. And I've been watching very serious movies for the last week or so. But I'm also having time to watch some movies that are just interesting to me. I came across this movie called The Goldfinch. The Goldfinch is a book, a Pulitzer Prize winning book. I had never heard of it, the book, because I hadn't. And the cast, it was, you know, by the way, marketing's everything. So you turn on the TV. I've got a movie to watch. I have shows to do and reviews to do. And movies suggested for you. Trending. New releases. They really know how to get you, right? I don't exactly know because I've watched one thing. I guess actually there's some great algorithms when you watch certain things and then they have suggested other things you may watch that are just like the things you watch and you realize, wow, that went too far. (laughs) Sorry. I mean, that's funny. That's funny. So the Goldfinch was suggested to me. I watched the trailer as Nicole Kidman, my second Nicole Kidman movie of the week or maybe the last two weeks. A movie I can't believe I hadn't heard she was in. And the guy from Baby Driver, who I loved. I think his name is Ansel Egort. I'm saying his name totally wrong for sure, but that's who he is. He was in Baby Driver. I think he was one of those teen movies too. I can't remember which. Maybe not. I get everybody confused. But the reality is this is a movie about a kid who goes to the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City with his mom. A bomb goes off. And his mom dies when he's a kid. The kid is basically left practically an orphan until his dad, played by Luke Wilson from old school, re-enters the picture as a gambling addict who had left his family and now needed money, thinking that he had been left money by his dead mother. Jeffrey Wright is in the movie, who if you've ever watched Source Code with Jake Gyllenhaal, and Michelle Monaghan, Jeffrey Wright plays a army scientist and doctor. He's a phenomenal actor. He plays a woodworker who takes in little Ansel Elgort, played by an amazing young actor. And the movie goes on to explain how his life got shattered because as he left the Metropolitan Museum of Art, he was handed a painting called the Goldfinch, which is a bird, not a thorn bird but a bird nonetheless. And he never returned it because it reminded him of his mom. And the painting had gone missing and it had been declared gone in the bomb and destroyed. Yet the goldfinch had lived for hundreds of years being passed from one museum to the next and one holder to the next. And it's a whole movie about how the goldfinch could get possibly returned and what became of Ansel Egghart's life and this boy who loses his mother and becomes basically an orphan. The movie got panned widely. I happen to have liked it. 
I found it interesting. I love movies about paintings, and I the Goldfinch was a, is a phenomenal painting. Nicole Kidman plays the mother of a friend of Ansel Elgort. Igor, yeah, yes, right. And so you see her as she ages, as Ansel ages, and her job is to be his mother helper, basically substitute mother. Ends up becoming potentially his mother-in-law. Yeah, it gets a little weird at some points. Goldfinch. There are more important movies to see, but if you need a break, it's okay. It's worth it. ML Beard Challenge, day 82. We're at 82 days of these beards. We posted something on Instagram at David P. Sampson, me and Coca day one, and me and Coca day 81. I think that Coca people are unanimous that your beard is not perfect. Now, granted, you've got issues that are somewhat beer related and somewhat not, and so do I. But where I get you one nothing, my beard's coming in just a bit better. So we are giving. He's saying, by the way, Coca, stop it. We're doing a show right now. Coca's trying to tell me, all right, I'll tell the audience, fine. You win. You're the producer, and I love you as my producer, so thank you. He's claiming that it was fixed, that I purposefully chose a bad picture of you, of Coca as part of the Instagram to show that the beard was a bad beard. Coca, I can only work with what you give me. You send me the same type of picture every day. Would it kill you to crack a smile? I can't crack a smile because my teeth are covered by my mustache that's grown over my mouth. Anyway, we're giving $1,000 away every day for 100 days. We're on day 82. We pivoted at the beginning of the week from areas of helping people suffering in the COVID crisis and pandemic. And now we are doing systemic racism, racial inequality. I was introduced to something by my friend, Brett. He is the president and CEO of the New York City Bar which is a very important, very important legal institution in New York City where they really do help implement policy and they help write opinions on judges and justices. They have tremendous programming. One of the things they do through their 501c3, through their charity, which is called the City Bar Fund, is they have something called Thurgood Marshall Summer Internships. The Thurgood Marshall Summer Internship Program places diverse New York City public high school students with legal employers for the summer. It gives students who have no previous contact with professionals in the working world, it gives them a chance to get exposure and preparing them for a potential legal career. They've gone on to work at law firms and government for public interest organizations, for other employers. It's exactly the type of program we want to give $1,000 to. The Thurgood Marshall Summer Internship Program, we are giving these kids a chance. They will have the ability to make the right decision. And my wait to see, and this one is not one that we're going to be able to revisit, but I want to talk about the importance of wait to see where we talk about things where we're going to be accountable. And when we're wrong, we're wrong. When we're right, we're right. I'm going to be in touch with Brett when the current summer intern people who get these internships will be in the working world. And I guarantee you, 
that those kids given this opportunity to be in the Thurgood Marshall Summer Internship Program, there will be kids who will pass the bar one day and be lawyers and they will have made choices and have been given opportunities that help and that's what we should all be doing. Every one of us, every time. Even if for you, it's just business. When it comes to the ML Beer Challenge, it's definitely personal. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.